Welcome to the audio newsletter for the Northwestern Program in Sound Arts and Industries. I'm Brad West. Jonathan Mitchell is a pioneer in modern audio fiction, and his work has been instrumental in audio drama's resurgence. He's the creator and producer of The Truth, a podcast that paints audio worlds with a playfulness of content and a maturity of form. The Truth is a founding member of podcast network Radiotopia and has featured stories on public radio programs like This American Life, All Things Considered, Studio 360, and Snap Judgment. Listen as Jonathan talks about the early days of The Truth, the evolution of the show's production, and the state of audio fiction. My name's Jonathan Mitchell, and I'm the producer of The Truth Podcast. Roger, we got you. We're going at alarm. Roger, understand. Go for landing. 30 seconds. Kicking up some I dust. still can't see. Can't we're see the ground. Tap it. We're going to tap it light. I'm going to... Think of it as a speculative fiction show, or a weird comedy, like dark comedy. Those are our two kind of sweet spots. <laughs> Originally, what I was going to do was have a character, a, um, a, a minor character from every story say the truth at the end. And that was going to be the way that we did it. And so for Moon Graffiti, I thought, oh, we'll have the actor who plays Nixon do it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. I didn't actually ask him to say the truth, but in, in that speech that he reads, there's the word truth. The search for truth and understanding. And there's a the from somewhere else in the speech. And they will remain the foremost in our hearts. And I edited them together to say, so he'd say the truth. I kept forgetting to ask the actors to do that. And so I just kept using that one and it just sort of stuck. The truth. TheTruthPodcast.com. I started the podcast feed in February of 2012, basically in anticipation of being on This American Life. We had a piece on This American Life that aired in April of that year. You need more words. You don't have to do this. Let me just get you some more words. At first, I was really interested in what could be done with by combining the recording studio with improvisation. I always felt like th- those two things were um, complementary in really interesting ways. Recordings can be very controlled and you can edit things, but um, they can also have maybe a, a lifelessness to them as a result. And uh, improvisation, on the other hand, is very full of life, but it can also be very inarticulate. And so I thought, well, if we combine those two things, we can make recordings feel like very lively, but I can use editing to sort of focus in on, on and make it a really good composition. I, I started working with improvisers with that in mind, and the Moon Graffiti piece was done that way. Okay, verify LM suit circuit 36 to 43. That's verified. Let's get these helmets on. I'd been reading about the moon 
like everything I could find for like two months. And I gave the actors some of my favorite books like that I thought would help them. Like get to know your characters this way, get to know what the um, what the lunar module was like, you know. And so they came into the studio and for a few hours we improvised this scenario of these astronauts getting trapped on the moon. I suggest we get the radio working. The radio is dead, Buzz. We just have one final goodbye to the wife and kids. That's all I want to do. Right you now. saw how scorched the casing God, yes, okay. We found a lot of really interesting moments that could happen on the moon. Like, what would it be like when they tried to plant the flag? There we go. There we go. Looks good from here. It's certainly something I would salute. And I took that tape and I would edit it and try to figure out what was usable and what was good ideas and what we could, how we could structure it, find a structure based on our improvisation. We did another piece like that called um, Voyager Found. Something inside this sleeve. Is this an audio recording? That looks like something we could play on a disc table. Do we still have our disc table? Yeah, it's in the guest room. You mean my office? It's an office if you do work in it. It's a guest room if my mother sleeps in it. I thought, okay, this is going to be simple. Why have improvisers come in and listen to the Voyager record and we'll improvise them as though they're aliens reacting to it. What was that? I don't know. And we didn't really know what this story was about. We were sort of figuring it out with these characters as we were discovering their characters. Maybe they're all happy. This is mesmerizing. I mean, it was sort of fun and, and um, adventurous and scary in a good way. But the actors didn't particularly care for it, and it was very time-consuming, and it was very limited in terms of like how we could structure stories, um, where we could go with the writing. I thought there was more we could be doing with dialogue and language. The problem was always, like, how do I find writers who want to make the stories that I want to make and who can get it done in, in a certain amount of time, who don't need, like, a year to write a story? And, and then I hired an associate producer who was a writer himself. He knew lots of writers. And I talked to him. I was telling him all the issues I was having with writers. And the two of us came up with this idea to do these writer cycles. And so that's how we're doing things now. We put out a call for submissions. And in order to get into the writer cycle, uh, you have to submit three treatments. So it's not just a pitch for a story, but something with a beginning and middle of an, and an end. And not just one, but three. We try to just find four that, that feel like they could they could work. And then we meet every week, and everyone's at the same point in the process week to week. So everyone takes turns reading their story out loud. We t all take parts, and then we talk about it, and we just talk about what we like and what we don't like about it. How to, There's usually some issues that they're trying to resolve. And hopefully at the end of six weeks, we have four finished stories. It's, it's funny because it's like a trade-off. I think that there was something really really lovely about that sort of sloppiness in the beginning of just throwing stuff at the wall and not knowing where you're going and, and getting into a position where you're really scared. And what we ended up with always had a life to it 
that I think is really interesting or a quality to it that I, it was sort of, I couldn't have predicted. Why don't you just say it? And I'll well, drown I, the whole David thing. If you will just be honest with me and I, say, no, I don't like David. You know what, sweetheart? I don't care for David. <gasps> but I think that the stories we do now have so much more potential to use the medium in interesting ways. And, and also, we're, we're on a regular schedule. I mean, we're much better about meeting our deadlines. The way we're able to do it now is through selling ads. And so in order to sell ads, we have to be able to promise particular drop dates. And some level, it needs to be somewhat systematic. Look, you're busy. What if we just forget this whole thing happened and you let me go? Oh, I'm sorry. We've got to wait for security. It's policy. Right. It's policy. When I left grad school, I, um, I, I got this job editing corporate audio tapes, which I hated. Just to make it more interesting for myself, I would you know, look for ways to make them, make them more interesting. Like, like I'd try to use the music uh, very creatively, use sound effects. And this was beyond what they had been asking of me in the job. It would have been easy for me just to sort of not do that, but it was like my way of staying sane, you know. And my boss really liked what I was doing, and he started encouraging his clients to take advantage of that. At a certain point, he got some money to make a public radio show about technology. It finally went on the air in 97. This is also around the same time that This American Life was very popular. It was just beginning. It was very exciting. I mean, like that the audience responded in such large numbers to it, and that they, they were listening to public radio, and I was working in public radio. I saw, well, well, this is a great medium to be a part of. I could really do something creative with this. Maybe I could find a way to do fiction, because no one was doing fiction. And so I started pitching fiction pieces to public radio shows, to like magazine shows. And, and I pitched one to Week in America, and that was Eat Cake, which is on our podcast feed. No, no, I never, I, I never meet the people face to face. So you, you'll call people, but you won't meet them? Never. About a year and a half after I started the podcast, I was struggling with trying to figure out how I'd make money at it. And so I'd seen my colleague, uh, Roman Mars, had just had a very successful Kickstarter campaign for his show, 99% Invisible. And so I thought, well, we had actually collected a lot of footage, video footage, and um, I didn't actually do it on Kickstarter, but I did make essentially a, a fundraising campaign. I got an email from Roman saying, hey, we're thinking about starting up a network with PRX. Would you want to be a part of it? I said, yes, yes. <laughs> and the producers on the network were getting a stipend at first. And so as, as soon as that stipend started, I, I've been, um, it's been my full-time job. So what happened to, uh, to not meeting people that you called? Coconut cake and Princess Bride. How could I... You broke your rule. Well, it's going pretty well so far. I always felt like I was fighting against this notion that audio drama is an old form. And like every article that was written about my show had like a picture of Orson Welles at the top, you know? And, and I just wanted it to be like a normal, like a, a really legitimate form. There needs to be a place for people to go, like a, a, a reason, like a draw. You know, but it's like a serial, but for fiction. It gets people talking about it. It gets articles written about it. It gives it a sense of legitimacy, not just for listeners, but for actors, writers, 
you know, production companies who are now investing in fiction because they see it as a pathway to making a television show happen. But there needs to be not just that one thing. There needs to be a whole ecosystem of people doing it to to even like motivate listeners to think of it as a medium they can go for fiction. What's bad is if it were to get to a point where it's like three companies control everything. I don't want that to happen. Like it's very very important that it remain this really open source type of medium. There needs to be a diversity of what's available. Lots of different types of people doing it. Like beginners, intermediate, like professional, like Hollywood endeavor, you know, investing in blackout, homecoming, like all these, everything, every different kinds of stories, you know, there's all kinds of different people who are looking for all kinds of different things out of fiction, let alone podcasting. And so there needs to be things for all those different kinds of people, you know, Um, and that's really what's going to make a really fertile environment for a creative use of the medium and make it mature into what I think its potential really is. And I think it's starting to become that. You can learn more about the truth by visiting thetruthpodcast.com. And you can learn more about our program through sound.northwestern.edu or by emailing sound at northwestern.edu. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the audio newsletter of Northwestern University's MA program in Sound Arts and Industries. This episode, Behind the Truth with Jonathan Mitchell, was produced by Jason Foley, featuring an interview with Jonathan Mitchell. Our theme is by Brendan Baker, and our podcast is produced by Brad West. Find us on the podcast app of your choice by searching Northwestern Sound to learn about how sound works at Northwestern. Thank you.